Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Well, good morning. Uh, Welcome to those watching online this morning. We want to Thank you for being with us. I got to watch online last week. We went to North Carolina, the coast, for my niece's wedding. And as a family, we gathered around and watched online. I got to give it to Pastor Andrew and Jason and Ethan and the team. Man, it sounded great. And uh, glad you guys do that. And I just want to encourage when you can't be here, if you're homesick, if you're out of town, gather your family around and, and continue to worship on Sunday morning. Give God that first priority that he deserves, and we worked really hard. Our team really put a lot of time and energy into providing an experience that we hope that as a family, you can enjoy when you can't be here. But it's not a substitute for Sunday morning, okay? So if you're in town, we want to encourage you, come on by, come and worship with us as we go. Well, last week or two weeks ago when I preached, if you remember, I gave you a challenge. I challenge you to pray and ask the Lord that he would put something in front of you, a a task to accomplish, a a nudge of the Holy Spirit to do something, and and for when he did, for you to be obedient to that. And I have to say that I I prayed the same prayer, and we went to the wedding. I I wasn't doing the wedding. My niece, uh, someone they knew there in North Carolina was doing the wedding. Uh, But afterwards, my family and my sister's family and her and her new husband were there, and I'd, I had just met her new husband that, that day before. And I felt like the Holy Spirit prompted and said, I want you to gather everybody around and pray for them. Lay your hands on them and pray for them. And I was like, oh, that might be a stretch. And uh, But I, I, I felt like, okay, I, I, gotta, I prayed, we asked, we're going to do it. And I said, hey, would it be okay if we just kind of put you guys in the middle and we all pray over you? And they're like, uh, Sure. So we laid hands, and I, I prayed, and I didn't know if anybody else would pray, but it was really cool because my, my brother-in-law, who's been a believer about eight years, uh, he was a retired Marine, and as he prayed over his daughter, he just began to sob, and uh, everybody just went after that. We all just broke down and just, and just started weeping and praying over this young couple and, and thanking God for the gift of marriage and thanking God for what he was doing in this young couple's life, and and uh, it was just a neat, neat moment with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to keep challenging you to take that on yourself and just keep praying each week saying, Lord, is there something? Is there something you want to show me this week, something you want me to do this week, uh, an action you want me to pursue, a prayer? I also got a, a text from somebody who also took the challenge up. He said, I went to the YMCA this week. And when I got to the YMCA, he said, I had my river shirt on. And he said, I got there, and uh, a gentleman that was there started talking to me. He said, oh, hey, did you bring the river with you today? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, as they began to talk, he said the guy was hurting over something he was going through. And so Joe said, Steve, I just put my hand on him and said, can I pray for you? And he said, we just prayed right there in the middle of the YMCA. I was like, man, isn't that awesome? 
It's like, what if, what if the new norm when you're going through Walmart is like instead of people arguing over the self-checkout thing that we all hate, what if the new norm is we're all praying over a worker that we see is having a stressed day? What if instead of the new norm uh, of going walking through campus and getting there just as, as class starts on time, college students, what is the new norm if you get there five minutes early and God gives you a chance to just pray with a friend before class? What if we really seek to hear from God and we walk that out? I think it'll change our community, and uh, together we can change the world. So that's what excites me, and uh, being on mission with God. Well, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We're in Jeremiah, surprise. Uh, for those that have been reading the Bible through with us from beginning to end, uh, Jeremiah is a really long book. I, I've read it many times, but I just forgot how many chapters Jeremiah has in it. And we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 32, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Uh, last week, as I watched Brian online, man, I felt like he crushed it with uh, the message he brought to us, and so grateful for, for the team that we have when, when I'm not able to be here, so grateful the way they bring the Word in a fresh way. Uh, we're all different in our styles a little bit, and for me, I, I love the variety, so... Uh, let's read Jeremiah 32, and we're going to read 26 to 31. Um, it says, Then the message of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of all the people of the world. Is anything too hard for me? Now, let me say, that's a rhetorical question, right? God knows the answer. <laughs> he knows nothing is too hard for him. Verse 28, Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will hand this city over to the Babylonians and to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he will capture it. The Babylonians outside the walls will come in and set fire to the city. Then they will burn down all these houses where the people provoke my anger by burning incense to Baal on the rooftops and by pouring out liquid offerings to other gods. Israel and Judah have done nothing but wrong since their earliest days. They have infuriated me with all their evil deeds, says the Lord. From this time, from the time the city was built until now, it has done nothing but bring anger to me. So I am determined to get rid of it. Now, this is a strong prophecy, right? Let's go, Lord, in prayer and ask God to speak to us about it. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the boldness of Jeremiah, the compassion of Jeremiah the truth of your word. Lord, everybody right now has stuff on their mind. Some are thinking lunch. Some are thinking lake. Some are thinking nap. But I pray right now, Lord, you unite us all together to think of you and that you give us a, a moment of you speaking into our lives. Truth, wisdom, that we might lead ourselves closer to you and that we might lead our families and friends closer to you. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have your listening guide, you can pull that out. We just use that as a guide to walk through. The first thing I want you to see is that Jeremiah was a true prophet. He was not a false prophet. He was a true prophet. How do you know someone's a true prophet? Now, a prophet is someone who proclaims truth. It doesn't have to be in the future. 
but it can be. But in this situation, Jeremiah is proclaiming truths about the future. And he's saying, this is what's going to happen in the future. Now, it wasn't a very popular message. Could you imagine if I got up here today and said, okay, River, here's what you need to know is going to happen. In just a short time, Kentucky's going to take over Tennessee. And uh, they're going to drag us all away. We're going to have to live in Louisville. It's going to be miserable. But take heart. God will go with us if we will repent. Now, who wants to go to Kentucky, right? Nobody. Okay, one or two, one or two. I, I get it. They won the championship one time. But anyway, but you're living here because this is a beautiful place to live. You got your house. You got your family. This is where you're at, right? You don't want to hear that because of your sin, you're going to be conquered and your family's going to be drug away into slavery. So Jeremiah's message was not a popular message. He wasn't saying this because he wanted to be popular in his city. Matter of fact, he gets thrown in jail. He gets mistreated. He gets hated by like everybody. But if you're a true prophet, you preach truth even when other people don't want to hear it. And that's why Jeremiah gets a book in the Bible. Whereas we see in Jeremiah 38, a guy named Hananiah. Hananiah was a false prophet. You see, Jeremiah actually went around at one point, had a yoke on his neck, and he's preaching saying, listen, the Babylonians, a.k.a. Kentuckians, whatever, <laughs> they're going to be dragging you away, and they're going to put yokes around your neck and make you slaves. And he's using that as an illustration. And another guy, a, a false prophet named Hananiah, comes along, grabs the yoke off his shoulder, slams it on the ground, said lies. We will be free from the Babylonians. We will be the greatest nation ever. We will conquer the Babylonians. We will keep our freedom because the walls of Jerusalem will protect us and our leadership will protect us and God is going to deliver us and gave that whole speech. Now, which one do you think the people wanted to hear? Jeremiah's or Hananiah's, right? Which one was truth? Jeremiah's. And so one of the things I want to say is beware of the false prophet. A true prophet preaches truth and can be proven when they predict the future. They can be proven by the fact that it comes to pass, right? So it was a short time after Jeremiah's prophecy that the Babylonians did overtake the city and they did burn the city and they did drag the leaders of the city, such as uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they grabbed them and dragged them back to Babylon, a very common practice back then, by the way, a way to eliminate your enemies for the long term was to uproot them from where their home was, drag them away and disperse them across your nation so they couldn't reunite and take over. Makes sense, right? So that's what they did. That's what the Babylonians did. They would take over nations and they would disperse them. I mean, have you ever heard of the Moabites? Anybody seen the new Moabite nation being started? No, because it's not there, right? Because <laughs> they did the same thing to the Moabites, the Jebusites, the Termites, all those heights. He, they did the same thing to all those guys. They drug them all across the world, and they got rid of them, okay? So the first thing you need to see is that a prophet preaches truth. Now, we have a lot of false prophets in the world today. 
A lot of people preaching lies, teaching lies in different, different arenas. Just talking to somebody yesterday. They are at our, the Dogwood Theater yesterday uh, because there was a hexing party at Dogwood Theater downtown. A group of witches came together to have a hex party. It was advertised on Facebook. You can go see it. It's not a secret. Uh, and there's a, a movement to begin to move witchcraft in the center of beliefs in our culture. It's nothing new in our nation. You can go to a lot of places on the West Coast, especially, where there's quite a few covens that get together to do this kind of thing. Well, that's not the only one. We shouldn't be shocked by that happening. There's a lot of false prophets. There's false prophets in the church. I don't know if you remember the election. It was between a guy named Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And there were over 100, quote unquote, Christian prophets who prophesied that President Trump would be reelected, would win a second term in a row. Over 100 to declare they'd seen a vision or they'd heard a word. Where are they now? Are they retracting and repenting? I will say some have. I read one, his name was Jeremiah Johnson, that after President Trump lost, he redacted his statements and repented and said, I was wrong. And he felt convicted and he shut his whole ministry down. Said, you know what? I just got to go get back with Jesus because apparently I'm not listening. I can respect a man like that. We can all make mistakes, right? But then there are those that are still saying, you know what? Maybe it was just a little misunderstanding. Maybe, and just trying to push through. Bible's got firm words about false prophets and teachers. In uh, Deuteronomy 18.20, it says, but any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. Whew, that's pretty strong, isn't it? Makes me not want to be a prophet. <laughs> I don't want to miss the boat. Those were tough days back then, you know. Uh, Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus warned. He said, beware of false prophet who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. We must be careful about what we prophesy. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, when you speak and say, this is what, what God is doing, be careful because those around you will take it as the word of God. I, I was so grateful. I, I definitely used to say all the time, man, God told me this and God told me that and I'm doing this because God told me this and God told me that and God told me this and God told me that. And when I was in school and seminary, I had a professor and he would hear me say, for example, I took this job because God told me this was the job I was supposed to take and I'm going to take pursue this major because this is what God told me to pursue. And so one day he just pulled me aside and said, Steve, can I ask you a question? I said, what's that? He said, have you ever been wrong? I was like, the book or the list? You know, what do you want? I mean, of course I've been wrong. He's like, well, have you ever been wrong when you thought you heard from the Lord, but it, it really wasn't the Lord, it was something else? Maybe your own desires pushing through. Maybe your selfishness or maybe the, the hunger for God, but misled in the direction that you went. I said, well, there's probably been a time or two, yes. He said, well, how do you think that affected others when you told them God told you to go somewhere and then you changed directions completely? 
I said, well, I guess I could have made them think a little less of the, of the Lord and me. He said, so what if, you, what if you pursue wisdom? I said, what do you mean? He said, how about if you try this? As best I understand the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life, this is the direction I believe God's calling us to go. He said, that leaves you the wiggle room that, you know what? You're still human. You're not perfect. You're not walking on water. You're not Jesus. You don't know exactly what God wants all the time. And so I adopted that. You've probably heard me say that a lot. Best I understand it, this is what I believe God's leading us to do as a church. Had there been some times we've done that and hadn't gone the way I wanted? Oh, yeah. Have there been some times that I, I said that and I was really grateful that I used that caveat because at the end I realized, you know what, that probably was more, more Steve than Jesus. Yes. And so I just want to challenge you. As we walk through this, this is important that we seek to honor God in all our words and that we seek to speak in a way that honors God. Jeremiah was a true prophet. He honored God in his words. And the second thing is, Jeremiah prophesied without compromise because of power or station. Uh, Jeremiah 32, 32 says this, the sins of Israel and Judah, the sins of the people of Jerusalem, the kings, the officials, the priests, the prophets have stirred up my anger. My people have turned their backs on me and they've refused to return. Even though I diligently taught them, they would not receive instruction or obey. They have set up their abominable idols right in my own temple, defiling it. What is Paul's there? He calls them out. Kings, prophets, priests, leaders. He doesn't hide because of fear of what they could do. And they did do. They threw them in prison. They had them beaten. Jeremiah had a hard life. But he didn't stop teaching and preaching truths. So I want to ask you today, how do you respond at work when there's someone there putting pressure on you to stay silent, to change your beliefs to fit their beliefs? How do you respond around the family when you're home for Christmas or Thanksgiving and all of a sudden everybody gets on the gossip line and starts trashing that crazy uncle that's not there? Do you join in? Or do you say, you know what? Uh, they're not here to, to defend themselves. What if we move on to a different subject? Or when you're in a situation and, and, and people are saying things that are completely against what you know to be truth, do you just shut down? Or do you share with gentleness and respect a godly perspective? I remember being in the classroom, and uh, it was actually seminary. Never knew if the, the teacher was just messing with our heads or what, uh, because he would do that from time to time just to kind of see if we were paying attention. But one day he made the statement, he said, and that's just like with Jesus. You know, people say that he's the son of God, but he never really said he was the son of God. I'm looking around going, anybody else catch that? And I didn't see anybody. And he started to go on. I was like, I was like, Dr. Nelson, can you repeat that statement, please? And he repeated it. And I, I said, well, I, I think that's wrong. 
And he said, what do you mean? And I began sharing over and over different times where Christ declared he was the Messiah and confirmed that he is the Messiah and the Son of God. And he's like, okay, thank you. And then we went on. So I don't know to this day if he was just messing with us or in a room of 30 people wanting to be pastors, wanted to see, would anybody raise their hand and say, excuse me? I just want to ask you, will you be the person that raises your hand and says, excuse me? And speak the truth out of the word of God, irregardless of whether it's your seminary professor, your pastor, your boss, the president of the United States. Will you have the courage based on the word of God to speak up when no one else will? May you lose your job? Maybe. Could I have gotten a really bad grade in my class? Definitely. He had plenty of latitude. Always there can be consequences. Ask Jeremiah, he got the stink beat out of him. We hadn't had that happen. I haven't. Maybe you have. But I just want to challenge you. A, a true prophet speaks without compromise. So sometimes people get upset. Sometimes I've had people say, well, you know, I really don't think you should preach on this or that. And I'm like, if it's in the Word, it's got to be spoken. The truth is the truth. And this is where the wisdom comes from, God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this. God's Word is genius. We'll look at it a little bit more in a minute. But we can trust in the truth of God's Word. Third thing, this is where the hope comes. Jeremiah prophesied hope of the Jews' return. Now, this is a bold prophecy. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 6 through 9. And then verses 14 to 15, look at this bold prophecy. He says, at that time, the Lord sent me with a message. He said, your cousin Hanamel, son of Shalom, will come and say to you, buy my field at Anatoth. By law, you have the right to buy it before it's offered to anyone else. Then, just as the Lord had said he would, my cousin Hanamel came and visited me in the prison. So here, Jeremiah is in the prison, okay, for preaching and prophesying. And this guy comes and tries to sell his land to him while he's in prison. And uh, said, he said, please buy my field at Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. By law, you have the right to buy it before it is offered to anyone else. So buy it for yourself. Then I knew the message I had heard was from the Lord. So I bought the field at Anathoth, paying Hanamel 17 pieces of silver for it. And then verse 14, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Take both the sealed deed and the unsealed copy, put them in a pottery jar to preserve it for a long time. For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Someday, people will again own property here in this land and will buy and sell houses and vineyards and fields. Someday. For many people, they thought this was a false prophecy because for over two thousand years, that day did not come. For over 2,000 years, Israel was not a nation. There were some Jews living in the area, but it was not a nation. It wasn't until May 1948 that a miracle that's never happened before and probably will never happen again, a nation was reborn. Israel, after 2,000 years, was reconstituted a nation. Is that a miracle? Without a doubt. God had prophesied it. It had to come to pass. 
And not only was it important for it to come to pass to give validity to Jeremiah's prophecy, but we're going to see over and over again there, there are other prophecies that had to take place too. In Revelation, he prophesied 144,000 Jews will come out of Israel and prophesy and take the good news to the whole world. Well, how could they do that if the nation wasn't there? The next thing, point number four, is that God promised to prosper Israel, not just to reinstate them, but to prosper Israel. He says in verses six through nine of chapter 33, nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and Israel and rebuild their towns. I will cleanse them of their sins against me and forgive all their sins of rebellion. Then the city will bring me joy and glory and honor before all the nations on earth. The people of the world will see all the good I do for my people, and they will tremble with awe at the peace and prosperity I provide for them. I don't know if you've ever studied Israel, but it's quite, quite a miracle. They have a piece of land smaller than Tennessee. Over 9 million people now live in Israel. They've only been a nation for just over 70 years. And they, last year, U.S. News and World Report listed them as the eighth most powerful nation in the world. Only 9 million people. They listed them as 25th in their entrepreneurial ability to create and design new things. If you go over there, I got to go about eight years ago. It's crazy. This land was literally a desert when they took it over. And through irrigation and through scientific experiments, they found ways to farm in the middle of the desert and return the land to be a fruitful land to provide for their people. It's 13th uh, in the world in economic moving, meaning it, it's a moving and shaking, according to U.S. News and World Report. 13th, and it's only a small nation of 9 million, and it's only been around for 75 years ahead of many European nations. Pretty amazing testimony. Why is that? Some would say, well, they had the, the favor and the blessing of the United States. I would agree that was part of it, that we did help, thankfully. I'm glad we did. They also had the, the people moving in with a passion to, to have a better life. I would agree with that. But if you look at the conflict they've had to oppose, Multiple times they've been invaded by the nations around them. They are, they are the most, there are more United Nations sanctions against them than all the terrorist nations combined. And yet God continues to show favor upon Israel. Why? Because he said he would. And we get to see that miracle. The miracle of the Bible prophecy coming true. And the hope that that gave the people. It's one thing I love about Jeremiah. He didn't just preach doom and gloom. He preached hope. So when he got that offer in the jail, it didn't benefit him one bit. He was drug away to Egypt later on. He couldn't, he couldn't plant on that land. It wasn't of any worth to him. He didn't get to own that property. He didn't get any benefit. So why did he do it? Because God told him to because God wanted a testimony of hope to the people. God wants to give you a testimony of hope today. 
That's why he's given us the Bible. That's why he's given us his good news as a testimony of hope to all of us. To know that this world is not the best life. For those who know Christ, this is the hard part. The best life follows. That's the best life. Well, verse 5 and 6 in uh, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6, Jeremiah prophesies about Jesus. Over 600 years before Jesus came, the prophecy was given. It says, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. God gave a promise. The promise was that he would send a redeemer. That redeemer would be for you and for me. He proves it through prophecy that he can fulfill that which he says will come to pass, right? And he wants us to know today that there is hope today. This may be a tough season in the life of our nation, but it's no tougher than what Jeremiah was going through in his season. As the people were about to be conquered and drugged away, Jeremiah held fast to his faith. And so for those of you that are here today that are followers of Jesus Christ, I want you to have hope. I want you to have hope that it may get hard and the season may get harder and harder and harder. But we have a hope because we have a Redeemer. And we have a hope because we know that God is our deliverer. He is our righteous redeemer. For those who do not yet know the hope of Christ, I go back to my life as a young man before I knew the Lord. And I remember the time of feeling the emptiness when God made it clear to me that I needed something more than just a good job, a cool car, and a girlfriend that although I had the stuff that the world said was what would make me happy, I wasn't happy. I needed a redeemer because I had sin in my life that I couldn't carry myself. I had sin in my life that I couldn't conquer in my own strength and power. And so I want to ask you today, do you want that hope? If you don't yet know Christ, do you want that hope? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to give an invitation this morning. And I want to challenge you, first of all, in Jeremiah's challenge to the people, whether you're a king or a prophet or a priest or a pastor or a business owner or a parent, a grandparent, a, a friend, if there's something in your life you need to talk to Jesus about, I want you to come forward, just kneel and get it right with Jesus, whatever it is. Whether maybe you just want to pray for a friend or family member that your heart is broken for, like Jeremiah's heart was broken for his nation. If you want to just come and pray and intercede, that's what the left side's for over here. If you come to pray, our commitment is we won't bother you. We won't pray over you. We'll let you just have time with you and the Lord one-on-one. -on -one. That's what that side's for. Over here, 
is if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I need somebody to pray over me. I'm hurting on something. I've got something I'm battling. I got a friend who's battling cancer. I got a friend who's hurting over this. I, I just need somebody to pray with me for my family. I need someone to pray with me for my marriage. I need someone to pray with me for whatever it is. That's what the right side's over here for. If you'd like someone to pray with you over something, we'd love to have that opportunity. We have staff and deacons and elders ready to pray with you. And then I'll be down the front middle. And I want to give you an invitation to hope. If you're here and you have never said to Jesus, I'm all in. If you're here and you've never known him as your redeemer, who can redeem you from the darkness of your life and your sin, come forward. Let me pray with you. Let me share with you this hope that we have, this hope in Jesus Christ alone. As Jimmy leads, Jimmy, what's the song? Coming home. What a beautiful, what a beautiful tone. Coming home. Maybe you've been wandering for a while, and maybe today's just a chance for you to come home. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.